Hello, everybody. You're listening to Action. I hope you enjoy that extra little bit of music. Just wanted to give us a bit of a breather because in the studio today, I have Representative Andy Story. How are you doing today? Um, I am glad to be here today. And it's nice to have you. I know the weather is, it's, well, it's standard Juno weather. I was going to say it's not great, but it's not terrible either. Uh, yes. Um, when you asked me how I was doing, you know, it has really been such a sobering time because of the flood and talking with, you know, families who have been really impacted by that and just concerns about um, the emotional and financial kind of shock uh, many families are in because while there is some assistance, it is not going to be, you know, nearly enough. And so um, it's really been, um, you know, in the forefront of my thoughts. And I know many of the community members. And I was really hoping we could talk a little bit about what's happening on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday of this next week. And that we definitely can. That was on my list of things to talk with you about. Uh, great, yeah, and what I really wanted to bring up is that at the Mendenhall Valley Library this coming week, um, they're setting up a disaster assistance center. I'm sure you've had that on the radio, and it's been in the news, but I just want to emphasize it. Um, it's, you know, open Monday through Wednesday. Uh, I think it starts at, it does start at noon on the 21st. Um, goes till 7, and then it's 9 to 7 on Tuesday, and then 9 to 1 on Wednesday. Um, and it's really important residents... Um, get out and talk to the, uh, the people there. And if they've already talked to them, um, it doesn't hurt to go back if you still have some questions uh, to be answered. And what's important on Wednesday afternoon, they are meeting with FEMA representatives. Um, that's why they're ending early. And then they will be going through looking at uh, the information they have, visiting some places, and doing a damage assessment, which helps um, find out if we will be applying and um, for f uh, the federal emergency uh, funds. And so that's important that that's happening this week. And I think right now up to uh, 60 families have filled out some forms. Um, but we want to make sure if anyone's been impacted by the flood uh, to really make sure that they are um, getting their documentation, calling and talking uh, to people. Okay. And I was, I was going to ask you a bit more about the process of getting that federal assistance. I know that that was a very much a multi-step process. First, the city had to make that declaration declaring it an emergency. Then that had to go up to the governor. And now that then the governor had to take care of it. And so now after that, that's when we got to the federal part. Well, the government has to um, request, he has the sole authority to request um, a disaster declaration. So what has to happen now is uh, we have to go um, and meet certain criteria. And so that's where why FEMA is coming in um, and doing this assessment. And then they will look at the damage. They will look at the cost. They have uh, uh, sort of a criteria list they have to go through. And then... Um, if we meet that, then uh, we will, the governor has already said, yes, you know, I'm going to do everything I can to get his federal um, assistance. And so we're really pleased about that. I mean, we can't as a state level, um, everyone in the emergency services um, area, they've all been working like overtime to make sure uh, uh, Juno residents get the assistance they have. But there is a criteria. It is hard to get a federal disaster de uh, declaration. Um, but we are there. Everyone is checking off all the boxes to get there. And so Wednesday afternoon, there'll be an important meeting. 
Gotcha. Now, I wanted to touch back on something that you said earlier where you had said that it seemed like there wasn't enough assistance being done. Do you want to expand on that? Well, I think um, when we look at people lost an incredible amount of their property with the rapid erosion. I mean, I heard from one resident who actually sent me a picture. They lost 150 feet of their property. The river just took it out, and so their house is just like right there. And we've all seen the pictures of the residents who had uh, the ground just cut off from underneath them, and they have to have a lot of bank stabilization done. And as the estimates are coming in, this is 100,000, 125,000, and a lot of this, since it didn't happen to their home, it's almost like there's a gap in some of the statutes uh, where it doesn't, um, where if it hasn't damaged their home, there's uh, some assistance you're not going to get. And um, individual assistance is like $20,000. If you have $100,000, it doesn't, it can't even go to the road. Uh, well, actually, we have been on the phone. We're trying to get clarification like that on that. But there is, you know, just concern that it, there's needs out there that there's a gap and a lack of assistance for that shoring up of the riprap all the uh, stabilization that needs to happen to the banks. It's like, um, anyway, so that is a big, big concern because as we all know, it would be just a shock um, and financially uh, really difficult. Um, there is some possibility of some loans at the federal level, like a 1% loan. They're the lo lowest loans you can ever get if you get FEMA, if a de disaster declaration. And so there are some positive things, but it's still going to be a significant amount of cost. Okay. Um, so that's what we're concerned about. And, you know, the community, I mean, talk about heartwarming, you know, the wonderful, you know, I went to the spaghetti feed on Friday night and, uh, you know, such a great turnout. What would we say? $20,000 the students, the cross-country team earned. Um, and then I know like uh, Alaska Marine Lines, they're having a benefit for the American Red Cross on uh, Friday. I think you can call and, you know, buy your tickets and get a dinner and go out on a whale watch and um, at five, um, you know, so there, you know, and there's these GoFundMe accounts. People are really trying to give a boost to those affected. Um, so, you know, that's wonderful. But these uh, assistance forms that we have, disaster assistance statewide uh, and at federal level, we really hope those will come through. But we're concerned that there's some gaps in areas that uh, have been missed. And that's got to be a statute change if this is true and that, you know, is just a lot of work and, you know, isn't going to happen soon enough for some of the families. Um, so, I, so I'm concerned. Um, other people are concerned. And uh, I appreciate all those GoFundMe accounts. And I'm just really encouraging people affected to go um, to the Disaster Assistance Center, you know, make the needs known um, so they can clearly see how we do need to have federal assistance here. Gotcha. And, I, and I'm glad you brought up that 150 feet number again, because I've been making sure that we've brought it up a number of a number of different times with multiple on-air hosts, because there was this sort of disconnect for folks. They're like, oh, you shouldn't have built on the river when those houses were nowhere near the river to begin with. That's the level of erosion that there was. 
Uh, yes, uh, the FEMA maps, the flood maps didn't even say people needed to have flood insurance in these areas. It was that far away. And so uh, that's another reason why I think we should have federal disaster assistance, because even the flood maps did not, you know, alert uh, homeowners that they should have flood insurance. And we just lost a dramatic, dramatic loss of bank. Unbelievable. No, gotcha. Now we are going to move into our break here. When we come back, we'll talk more about maybe some of those those uh, those polls that you mentioned in the different statutes. You are listening to Action Line on KINY. And we are back on Action Line. I'm your host, Jordan Lewis. Jordan, we still have Representative Andy's story. Now, during the first half, we talked a lot about the flood response, and you had mentioned that it felt like there could be more that could be done, specifically because there's some, some gaps, as you put it. Do you want to elaborate more on those? Uh, yes, I would. And mostly the what I'm finding out in uh, state statutes, there's some gaps in if the in uh, some of the individual assistance, and we are trying to verify this, but it seems like according to our state statute, uh, assistance for when your uh, surrounding land has been eroded, significant erosion, that and the uh, money's needed to repair that, that that is not uh, allowed. It's certainly not allowed in the housing assistant grant, which is up to $20,000, even though that affects your house and you're going to probably have cracks in your foundation. They're not there yet, or it affects your property, but that's not allowed. So then there's the individual assistance category, and I've been trying to get clarification if that can be just like, you know, to help with this riprap and rock that's going to need to stabilize your house now. And so if that is not part of assistance, we need to fix that state statute. So that is clear in there that that qualifies for for assistance. So that's the sort of thing we're looking at. And I've been hearing Copper River, Matt Sue also had a problem with flooding and was having trouble in that category. So it seems like there would be, uh, you know, support for that around the state. Yeah, it's it's good you mentioned that because I know we had posted a story the other day about you know, looking at the flood maps for, you know, the Cook Inlet area and areas, even with an anchor that are at risk of flooding, should that yes. water level go up. And so it's not, so in in some ways by having the flood happen, it's having us reassess all of our flood plans throughout the state, not just here, because it's a reality that we're going to have to face is that's always going to be a possibility. So how do we better plan and better prepare for that going forward? Uh, yes, and it was. It's very interesting on the national level. Uh, many states are uh, shoring up departments because we have to do all these mitigation efforts that are happening now, and they are. Uh, they've got. Uh, uh, chief resilience officers that they are forming in their disaster assistance. They're forming task force to sit and look at my mitigation plans and making sure we're setting aside enough money to help residents and doing things to prevent um, areas that we know are vulnerable. So it really is getting more of a focus in states and uh, you know having to look at exactly what is our blueprint that we have in the state of Alaska to get ahead of, of all this stuff and what sort of investments, infrastructure things we need to do um, as a state for these vulnerable areas. Gosh, I was going to say, you've prepared a lot of notes in front of you today. You can see at least four or five sheets of paper. <laughs> uh, there are so many um, uh, notes about numbers and places to call, and they're all up on the websites, and they're up on KINY, and, you know, the numbers to call. I just never know when you're going to ask me for one. <laughs> um, but And it is hard. Sometimes everything is on computer, and sometimes people don't have access to look at those individual assistance numbers to call. And so I do appreciate that everyone is, is putting them out and, um, and reading the numbers and stuff like that. But 
it, it's just so important that people have phone numbers these days. Everything is, you know, electronic and, uh, you know, the disaster assistant law number is 1-844-445-7131. Um, and, you know, I just hope that those numbers, you know, people can get to. Gotcha. And I think you really hit the nail on the head there that it is very much been this very large community effort to make sure that everybody knows what these resources are and helping each other out. And in some ways that is emblematic of what I've talked about with when it comes to Juno a lot, which is that Juno always has a strong sense of community. And I always talked about it in, you know, more po- more lighthearted context, you know, when we get together for fun events and things like that. But it's also good to see that we come together during these, you know, more difficult situations as well. Oh, emotional support has just got to be so key. Um, And like uh, when I think of United Way, you know, they have their volunteer form where you can go in um, and say, yes, I want to volunteer. Um, This is what I can do. It's like I can provide housing. You know, I can come just provide uh, work to go in and help someone sort through their goods, make a run to the dump, you know, whatever is needed. So go to United Way. They're a really big help if you've got... um, one of the best things is just putting in a couple of hours, you know, helping someone uh, sort through their stuff, making a run, things that, uh, you know, just any kind of errand that you can do. Because some people don't have the big friend network uh, that you think they might. Gotcha. And that is definitely important. And I know there's a lot of different volunteer organizations doing work like that. And so it's always important to mention them. And now... There was one other thing I would had planned to talk to you about, but obviously we've been spending a lot of the show talking about the flood response. And one of those things would be, you know, educate schools started recently. Those just got back into into session, and so thinking about that as well during this time is a bit interesting. Ah, uh, yes. Um, I'm, you know, just welcome back to school, everybody. I know uh, families, uh, teachers, staff. Uh, we have a new superintendent. Uh, who's very familiar with Alaska, you know, coming to us from Sitkin. I've actually known um, Superintendent Hausler for quite some time. He's a very strong advocate up at the Capitol, uh, which is good. Uh, And uh, we're glad kids are back. And we just, you know, this times of uh, going to school, that structure, that routine uh, is really important. And I know... um, you know, we've all had such different school experiences. I'm, uh, I have teachers, and my parents were teachers. Uh, school is very safe, fun uh, place for me, even though it was kind of hard having your parents as teachers at times. But uh, some kids, you know, didn't have good school experiences, and school wasn't that safe place for them. And what I think is so important, how times have changed a lot, and not to say that, you know, we, we don't have things that we struggle with at school. Uh, you know, we really have, there's a focus on working on climate, knowing that we have just all been through a very bad COVID experience, and we want to have a school have these safe routines. Uh, everyone's valued. Um, you know, we're glad you're here. I know families appreciate the sp- support. And so uh, I just can't thank our school community enough. I can't thank our parents, grandparents, you know, families just for helping kids do well in those school routines. And we've had a big shock, you know, with the Federal Disparity Act uh, being in violation here in our community is so, and our city and borough Juno is so in support of uh, schools and funding outside the cap. And so uh, one of the best things that can help with uh, making sure we don't lose that extra $2.3 million um, 
is to make sure when we get back into session as soon as possible, we can um, raise our base student allocation because then uh, we, I don't think we'd be in violation of the disparity um, test at the federal level. And from what I'm hearing from school districts, some of them you know, aren't gonna make it through next year with the funds that they have. And so I'm hoping that the governor um, is uh, going to be seeing that and being willing to uh, maybe even do an appropriation if people don't want to wait to um, in statute increase the BSA. But we just have to look at the reality of what's coming in, the information on the ground, and uh, try and move as quickly as possible. Gotcha. And one of the key things that, that you mentioned in there that I think does also help kind of tie these two topics together is the help that that structure can have. Because especially when I know, and this is, can be considered anecdotal, this is from my own time going through some major things that have happened at Anchorage in the past. When you have those moments of structure after, you know, these major sort of disasters can happen, that can help things, I guess, somewhat have that feeling of normalcy again. If you've gotten back into this structured routine, it's something that you know what's going to happen, and it can help you kind of feel re-centered after things like this happen. And so I think by having the school starting up now, that might be able to help some folks kind of be like, okay, here's something that I know is going to happen. It's a structured environment. And that can kind of help folks kind of process and decompress from the flood happening. Uh, exactly. And I think we are fortunate. And, you know, we have uh, so many good things happening in school. Um, you know, you, everyone's guaranteed a constitutional right for public education, and, in, and but you want a constitutional, you know, effective, you know, uh, instruction. And I'm, you know, Juno is really uh, doing well in that area. And I know in talking to Superintendent Hausler, some of the families were displaced from the residence uh, because of the flood, and they are making transportation arrangements for them, uh, making sure that they have a way to get to school that might not be their normal school, but just trying to make it as smooth as possible. And we have had a lot of things in Juneau. Well, Star Hill, we just had that little landslide. I shouldn't say little landslide. I mean, that's huge. But, you know, as we hear of, of things, we've had some, some tough things happen. Um, and it's just nice where uh, we can come together and have these certainty of routines for all the family. Know our kids are safe. Uh, they're getting good attention. And, you know, it can help center us and concentrate in our work and have some time to support our neighbors and be thinking of those who have gone through uh, this tragedy. Basically, it's a tragedy. Gotcha. Well, we do have about, looks like, 30 seconds here. So if there's any last things you want to plug, now would be the time. Um, mostly, I think it's great if we can, uh, you know, look at um, any GoFundMes. And we were talking, you know, during the break that it's such a tough time financially, uh, just with the high cost of goods and uh, just, um, you know, do we have, you know, some uh, money to, to do a GoFundMe? And I've just been impressed that uh, residents have been able to give $50 here. And when we do that as a community, um, it, it grows to a lot of money, just like that $20,000 they raised at uh, Thunder Mountain High School. So um, welcome back to school, everybody. And uh, we just, I know everyone is thinking uh, deeply about the families affected um, by and individuals by the flood. And so um, Juno is a strong community, and I'm so proud to be a part of it. All righty. Well, thank you, Representative Story, for coming on. You've all been listening to Action Line on KINY.